And we are live. Data storytellers. Today on the show, I have a very exciting guest, Samir Bula, who is the chief data officer over at ING France. Samir, it's a pleasure to have you on the, on the show. How are you doing, sir? Hi, thank you very much, Laszlo. Uh, great to be here and thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. And happy to talk about data like always and analytics. <laughs> I look forward to it. I look forward to it. So yes. look, it's really, it's really interesting to me to actually talk to someone who's uh, a veteran at his organization. It's kind of a rare phenomenon these days, right? Now, based on what I saw, you've been with ING for what, over... Over 25 20, years. Over 25 years. Yes, well, yes. I had my celebration this month. Oh, con- <laughs> congratulations on spending yes. so much time with a cool organization. I heard that uh, ING is really good to work with, both with some of our um, uh, members and audience members, uh, both in uh, the Netherlands and also France. So maybe as a, as a starter, can you just give a quick introduction into what brought you into the world of data and then how did you join ING and just a quick rundown on your journey all the way yes. to the top? Great, great. Yes. Well, I studied, in fact, something totally different. Uh, I, I'm an aircraft engineer from my study. Um, and having worked as such for a while, for a very short time, I concluded that I wanted to do something more. And I went into business administration, business engineering. And when I graduated, I thought, well, you know what? Um, let me take some time after all these hard studies and uh, arrange a world trip or at least a, a big holiday for myself. Um, while I were doing that, I also thought, you know what, let me apply for some vacancies so I can already start exercising interview skills, which I, of course, not really had because I only was a student before that. And one of the vacancies I applied on was with ING. At that time, ING Bank, it was called um, And they explained to me that they were setting up a new department, uh, a small entity, a very small department, that they were hiring uh, five young people, uh, and that the goal was to initiate uh, the database marketing, as it was called at that time. And the department itself was called Marketing Facilities. I said, okay, well, that sounds very interesting and uh, something totally new for me. I mean, financial industry, working with data, et cetera, and information systems. I knew in, during my study a little bit about information systems. I was very interested at that time uh, in internet and how internet would change our world. Uh, that old I am. <laughs> and, um, and this is where I, my journey started, in fact, because what my first responsibility was or my first role was uh, job was uh, called a data resource manager and I was closely collaborating with uh, uh, other colleagues, a few who are uh, statisticians and mathematics and my role was to make sure that we captured all the data across the organization, had it in a database and a model, etc, etc to facilitate uh, well, what we call data analytics these days um, and to drive uh, and transformation throughout the organization, which was uh, not 
data-driven at that time. Uh, every communication and all the interactions with our customers happened in the branch face-to-face. And this was the big transformation to go to direct banking, where this played a key role. So that's where my journey started, in fact. Um, and since then, I have always experienced data and analytics, and especially data in this sense, uh, as a very important ingredient in transformations. Okay. And moving forward, that was more or less the red line in my career, um, working, managing data and analytics across the organization, facilitate and, and being involved in big transformations uh, to do so and to become more and more uh, a data digital organization. Hmm. So you're already you know, hitting the spot there with the change management and the transformation element because a lot of people especially outside data think that people who work with analytics it's all about tech you know you get the tech right and you get the results but um the the real situation is anything but so uh, can you talk a little bit more about that change management aspect first of all during your career how did your role change in terms of how much emphasis you needed to put on working with people and managing change over uh, all over the business and what were the key challenges that you encountered during that journey? yeah a very good question. Um, it's also very funny because a lot of these questions or challenges are still there. Uh, we name them differently because data has now, let's say, a name in that sense and is being acknowledged uh, in, in, in organizations. Uh, the biggest challenge was always that people are by nature in most of the their daily tasks or operations already using data, but not aware or acknowledging it as such. It's classified as technology, it's IT. And I need a file, I need a cross tab. And there was no real link between, yeah, but wait a moment, to have an appropriate cross tab or a, a report, it requires data and it's not only something that IT is going to deliver you, but it also requests you to understand what the data is. Because going to your board and presenting a sheet with figures, you need to be able to explain what, where those figures are based on. And that's what we call nowadays data fluency, data literacy, mm. uh, data lineage, things like that. So it's very funny to see that evolvement of the data space in general, moving from a more IT-driven domain, moving to a business-driven domain. Mm, Okay. So actually, before we jump, because I have so many questions, this will be very interesting to explore. Just as a, because you're someone who's seen this evolution from the very beginning, you're a real veteran. Can we just demystify some of these terms here? For example, data fluency, data literacy, data lineage, data-driven culture. Is there any meaningful difference between those? What are the overlaps? uh, uh, And how do you uh, when you work with people both in data and the business, how important do you think this is, first of all, to clarify these terms? And uh, are there any meaningful differences? Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah. Well, on the end, if you looked from a 
let's say, business user or a user mm-hmm. point of view, um, it's not their first priority, of course, to understand what data lineage is. They want to have an ingredient to cook the report. Um, the journey that needs that takes place is the awareness. And you can call that data literacy, data awareness. It is really, and that's part of that transformation. So working in data is, and that's one of the beauties of working in data. It's not only, a, and there is an important IT aspect, of course, crucial um, uh, people, but it is about transformation of mindsets and acknowledging that and how things are perceived is different compared now as in the past. Mm. This is a really important point then. And we talk about this all the time these days in the community. This is the perception problem of data, yes. right? Because yeah. you do perceive data in a certain way, especially as a professional who spend you know, years, if not decades in that space. So inevitably you will develop some tunnel vision in that sense. And then the business sees data in a completely different way. Can you speak to, because I'm uh, actually leading a panel discussion here in the CDAO uh, uh, meeting in Ontario in a, in a couple of weeks. And this will be the topic, the perception gap when it comes yes. to data analytics and the business. Can you speak uh, a little bit more to this? How do you think that data analytics is being perceived in modern businesses these days? So you're also very well connected, right? So you probably have insights from other organizations and, and how is it perceived within the data teams and how, how can you bridge that gap? Yeah, very good. Again, a very good question. Um, Everybody talks about data, and I will not go further about than saying that, and analytics. Um, companies understand, organizations understand more and more the importance of data as fuel for analytics, customer journeys, regulatory topics, um, optimization of processes, etc. So the understanding of that this is an important critical element used in those processes and in those areas has become, people became more and more aware with that. The challenge is that besides being aware of it, it's also about how is your organization structured? One of the, let's say, behaviors of data, it is really transversal. You cannot put it in a silo. While organizations are very often silo organized and this is also the challenge that you have as a data professional is to bridge that those silos starting from maybe IT back offices processing across all those different silos towards the value creation and by doing that creating also more and more awareness about what data lineage indeed means because it means where comes my where does my data come from very simply stated <laughs> um, a, a data quality I mean I'm having that data who, who has been managing that data and what quality is that what I'm looking into because I need to make sure that on the end that my report or my analytics is working with good data and that brings me to the 
role of data professionals, it is transversal. Uh, organization is, organizations are very highly challenging with that. I mean, you can hire a CEO, you can hire a data scientist, and then how to position them? Are they IT? Are they business? Are they operations? Uh, which level should they be? Um, so having, yes, data is important, analytics is important. If you really want to make it a key asset in your organization, it will also require a transformation, not only from mindsets, but also organization. What do you think is the role, because also the term of uh, uh, data leader is being you know, thrown around a lot. And uh, I think it's so crucial, that leadership element. What do you see as the role of leadership in that change management? Again, I imagine that your role as you, as, as you became more senior and senior, it involved more and more demands on you as a leader too. What do you think makes a strong, efficient and effective data transformation leader? Yeah. Um, and, and you said it well, a transformation leader. <laughs> that's, that's, I think, the right classification. Um, it is really bridging silos. So it, it really has to do with people. It, it starts with people, with the organization itself, connecting with them, understanding what their challenges are and understanding what on the other side the possibilities are. Very simply said, from a demand and a supply point of view. And how can we bridge the, those challenges to bring value to the organization? That requires from a data leader um, to act also transversal, mm-hmm. to interact with multiple stakeholders with different expectations, as an example, um, um, views on what needs to be done. And it is one of the most complex elements of being a data leader, bringing that all together, because you have a dependency with IT, you have a dependency with your processes in your organization, you have a dependency with how your organization ha- is set up and you have a dependency with the mindset and skills of people in the organization. And this is where you're continuously in a very dynamic way um, are bringing elements together. Mm. I know that there are different views on this uh, between CDOs. Um, how strategic do you like to be when it comes to your leadership? Some people like to develop like really clear, sharp plans that they follow to the dot. And some really say that, no, you got to be super agile and flexible. Maybe you shouldn't even develop a plan, you know, to be as adaptive as possible. And usually CDOs are somewhere in the middle. Where are you on that? And what are your views on developing a strong leadership strategy when you want to make change with data in the business? Yeah. Well, we should not forget that Data serves a purpose, mm-hmm. and data and analytics both are serving and a purpose. And that purpose is captured, if it's correct, in your business strategy. So your first umbrella that you're using is your business strategy. You're not going to start creating your data strategy just because you have some knowledge or expertise and you think what the organization should be doing. It should be fit for purpose. And every organization has, of course, and even in an organization as large as, for example, ING, every department has its own, let's say, culture, own needs, own uh, legacy, etc., where you that you need to take an account. Um, 
And these are things that on one side, your data strategy should be reflecting. How am I supporting the business strategy and what do I need to put in place to enable and support that business strategy on one hand? And on the other hand, really the actual execution and the support in that across the different silos, as I said. Mm -hmm. Agile is a great way, and um, I've been using Agile frameworks as long as I remember. They were maybe not even called Agile at that time uh, because the essence was multidisciplinary teams, mm -hmm. bringing people together. That's mm -hmm. key. And what do you think is, if you think about the, let's say this is also something that comes up all the time, um, virtues of the, of the data leader. We like to actually nail it down to the cardinal virtues, just a few things that you should manage in terms of how the business perceives you as the leader of the data function. What do you think are the most important qualities of the data leader? So I'm looking for things like assertiveness or humility, you know, is it about, uh, 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 really be, being really, really good with your own technology and your own team or being very focused on serving the business or usually somewhere in the middle. Do you have some thoughts, just a few words yeah, about yeah. the key qualities of the successful data leader? Um, I, I think a data leader should always balance. It's about balancing. Um, once again, uh, you're operating in a dynamic very often existing organization with its own culture, with its own legacy, etc. So a data leader is someone who is able to balance that. And for, to do that, sometimes you need to be assertive, sometimes you need to be humble. Mm -hmm. So this is exactly the balancing aspect that you need to do there. Um, but you need to be able to have the standpoint, um, I'm here to support you. Mm -hmm. Uh, what I often tell to my stakeholders is I'm here to enable you. I'm not telling you what's good or right. I'm trying to help you to identify how to initiate and define your own data journey because there is no one big data journey. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You, again, hit on a very important point there with being positioned as someone who supports and enables the business. And it always comes up. I think you even mentioned it uh, in our previous conversation when we were talking about you coming on the podcast about becoming a trusted advisor in the business. So how important, first of all, how important were relationships during your career, building these uh, really strong alliances and maybe even partnerships in the business? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it, it is key, of course, um to be a trustful uh, partner. Um, um, of course, you have the dynamics in the organization itself. Uh, referring back to what I said, uh, often what you will see is that organizations are very much organized as silos. On the other hand, you're the new kid around the block. Um, so everybody wants you to prove what you're worth. What the hell are you coming to do here and what uh, what are the benefits that you're going to deliver to me? And this is crucial, and I fully understand that point of view, um, where on the end, it is about delivery. I can give you great data governance on paper, but am I also able to help you 
and support you in embedding that in your organization. I can give you all the data you want, but am I also able to support you with the skills, craftsmanship, tools that you need to do your work and to make that transformation in your organization? And trust can only be gained when you really deliver. But that's my opinion, once again. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'm good in making PowerPoints, but on the end, <laughs> you need to deliver and, and show and evidence the value that you bring in the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, one question that we uh, like to ask is, before you actually start delivering, uh, what are the most important things to, to keep in mind and prioritize? Because uh, what we've seen as a pitfall before is that a lot of data leaders uh, make the mistake of starting with their own technology and what they can do and what they would like to deliver and what's cool and what they are excited about. And they sometimes lose track of what the business user actually needs. Um, how important do you think that is to actually get in, 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 in touch with those genuine desires and frustrations that the business has? And what were your main methods of building those relationships and yep. finding yep. out what you should be building before you deliver? Absolutely. Um, and and uh, this is a very critical point. Um, you will see that in many organizations, you, you first have to build your data foundation and your data capabilities. Mm -hmm. You need to have availability of the data. And this is where IT also and tech tools play a very crucial role to do that. At the same time, uh, everybody's talking about data and everybody expects to have something tomorrow. And this is the area of tension mm. uh, between putting something down which is uh, scalable and sustainable for the future versus supporting the organization on short term with low hanging fruits. And you, oh, again, we use the word balance. That's also a part of the balance. I mean, my tech IT colleagues, yes, they will be very, very highly focusing on getting that data foundation in place. That's crucial for them and for me too and for the organization. And I need to find that balance between how much will that take and what is required to do that versus what can we do already and start that transformation journey now. Mm -hmm. So basically, with that tension, you, you, you do balance that and you do get in touch with what people actually need. You start delivering. Okay, so in your career, how did you use those success stories? You build, build the relationships, you got some successes. What we see quite often is that data leaders fail to leverage those successes the right way. And maybe now we're in the realm of storytelling. Right. So uh, can you talk about that leveraging success and what is the role of story storytelling for a data leader to really mount up more success and bring uh, more attention and engagement into data within the business? Yeah, um, I have always used uh, think big, act small. Mm. Uh, don't boil the ocean. What you see very often, uh, is especially when data is now really addressed as a key topic, we, we tend to make big plans, huge plans, with huge investments, with a lot of dependencies, which can result in very complex programs, which can take several years. Mm -hmm. And this is where 
you can lose trust and confidence. Business has a time to market to use that and will find its own way then, mm-hmm. which can create later on, look into scalable, uh, sustainable platform and a transformation point of view, an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing your users or your business partners together with you along that journey is not only looking to what do we need to establish from a data foundation point of view and data capabilities, et cetera, but how can I at the same time already start bringing them with me in that journey and deliver value? And this way, get that engagement from them. And you can also evidence already, maybe not in full fledged what you would like to evidence, but you can already bring value based on data. Hmm. And if you look at it that way, because there are so, so many good insights in there. Um, what we saw over the years is that these organizations start to develop their own data story, right? Like what role data and analytics played in the organization's natural evolution. We just had a great mm-hmm. interview with uh, Emmanuel Neumann, who is the yeah. uh, global head of data science at Red Bull, right? And that was his main point that why at Red Bull, it, they managed to develop so quickly and they got so much, so much results, so many results from uh, uh, data and the whole organization came on board was that they found the right narrative in terms of Red Bull is an old organization. It's not a digital native business, but they found that narrative. They cultivated that narrative that really worked for them and they kept paying dividends. So uh, what kind of story do you see, for example, at ING in terms of what role it played in the organization's life? And then are you using that when you talk to your key stakeholders, to the business users? Uh, Have you guys given this any uh, intentional thought or did something emerge organically? Uh, how do how do you think about the story of data within ING's life? Yeah, um, well, it's it's it started many years ago, and it was an IT driven architectural approach at that time. Um, we are a, a big financial institution, um, and also from an our existence point of view, uh, a lot of merger and acquisitions through the years. So you inherit a lot of legacy, et cetera, which makes things only more and more complicated for your business partners. Um, This is where it is key in your narrative to start explaining, in this case then, how your new data strategy, your data foundation, and your data capabilities and analytics can add value and simplify things in your organization. And, and that's, in fact, the overall narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you have your offensive and you have your defensive strategy. We go back to that point. Mm-hmm. Looking to from those two dimensions, you can identify where your stakeholders' priorities are. I mean, when I'm talking with my finance or risk colleagues, they have a clear demand in the, uh, the defensive part. Um, not only from them, it's also driven by regulators. And you need to find a way to facilitate all those needs from a different perception, different angle. So the overall narrative is that, yes, data and analytics is here to simplify life, to give you better and faster insight in your organization, in your customer, 
uh, behavior, etc., etc. Um, but it's also part of that transformation across the organization. Hmm. It's, I think that one of the big pitfalls organizations make is that we hire the CDO or a data professional. You can call it CDO, you can call it head data or analytics or whatever. The first pitfall that they have is that they do that anticipated on the silo organizations they already have. Very often you see a big um, split between data and analytics in line of that mindset already. Um, then the other thing is that the other pitfall is that, okay, we have a CDO and he's responsible for all the data. So we're done. No, if we're talking about a data-driven organization, it doesn't mean that the CDO is owning data or managing all the data. The CDO role, and that's where the leadership comes in, is to make the business owner of that. Because that's the truly transformation to a data-driven organization. It's mm -hmm. not about me and my team know how to work with data. It's about the business knowing how to work with data and having the availability of data. Hmm. This whole question of the data-driven organization is almost like a mirage that yeah. everyone yeah. keep keeps chasing. But you're making a really good point: is that don't lose track. You you got to understand what that is, what what that idea of the data-driven organization is. You you can't bark up the wrong tree, right? And in that sense, we can maybe spend a little bit little bit of time on some forward-looking trends here too. So, uh, first of all, in your mind, what is an ideal data-driven organization? What is the dream state of uh, a data-driven business? And then on the back of that, maybe we can talk about some future trends as well. Yes. Um, I think that a, a data-driven organization or how, whatever you want to call it, because indeed mm -hmm. data-driven uh, sounds also a little bit like everything is driven by data, which is of course not the fact. Um, we have processes and we have people and processes are the carrier of data and people are the persons who are managing processes. And in those processes, there is data. And this is the data that you want to capture, call it a data lake, data mesh, data fabric, whatever, for other purposes to add value and insights to your organization. So, Speaking about what is a data-driven organization or where does it start, it, it, it is really about coming back to, it's a larger transformation. It's not only about embedding a data strategy, it is a embedding a new kind of organization where data and the prerequisites to be able to get value out of data are there. Your people need to be skilled and trained. Um, you need to have data, and I'm trying to avoid buzzwords here, like data mm -hmm. literacy and data awareness. Um, and then you, you need to make sure that your data is available for as much as possible to the organization where needed, but also within the boundaries, of course, of security, GDPR, etc. So the, having data availability is key in that. Um, and trust of the data, and this is where data governance and data quality comes in, that you can evidence that the, the data that people are using coming out of those processes, that that is correct, 
that is good data. And even if it's not good data, what's wrong then? Because they can take that in account. So these are the three big dimensions that people need to take in account when you're driving that so-called data-driven organization. These are the key elements in that. Mm. People, processes. Mm. And, and, and people, processes, and the technology is where the, where the yeah. da- data lives. When you're creating that data-driven organization, how much of that work is building and how much of that work is selling within the business yeah. from your yeah, experience? Nice. Yeah. Ah, it's a very nice one. Uh, it goes almost hand in hand. Mm. And selling for me is based on the setup that we have became less crucial. So the narrative became less crucial. And I can explain you why. Because the business is part of that journey. I have an agile organization where the execution takes place, the, 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 the data flows, the modeling, you name it, everything what we need to manage our data and to support the business. The business is part of that. We have, based on the agile way of working, we call that the one way of working within ING. So I, I believe almost everyone across the globe in ING has been trained in, the, trained in that model and as such also working based on one way of working, which is based on the HL frameworks. And this is where then you bring people together. So if I look to my product owner or my data engineer or my data scientist analyst, he is sitting closely with the business. So the business starts to have an understanding of what has to be done to bring that value and can also be part and also give those adjustments where needed. So it's not a one way, it's a, it's a bilateral. They learn together. Mm. And what you see, for example, my data engineers, okay, they're very good in certain tools or, or languages, but they're gaining more and more functional knowledge of that area. Yeah, that makes that, that makes perfect sense. And this brings us actually to where data is going, because I think more and more people understand this, organizations are becoming more data-driven. And, and even, I think, over the past couple of years, uh, we also have a stronger grasp on what that means to be a data-driven organization. So we've been riding the wave of all the hype, right? Now it even settled down a little bit. And if anything, sometimes we deal with data fatigue, is about data. But then uh, how do you see the evolution of the industry now? What are you most excited about now moving forward with recent trends, developments? Everyone says that the 2020s will be the decade of data. And with that, if we look at any past trend, uh, usually there are a lot of uh, a lot of people who fail to take advantage. And then there are a few key players that you know take all the take all the treasures and the benefits. So what are you most excited about now as we move into the 2020s? Are there any particular trends, uh, uh, emerging technologies, or just maybe organizational developments in the corporate world that makes you excited and optimistic? Yeah. Um, I think we're moving from talking about data, moving to talking about 
and even uh, moving from data, talking about analytics, start talking about art- artificial intelligence, machine learning, etc. So the real use cases where this the ingredient of data, etc., and the insights based on analytics are applied in, in in a practical way in the real world. Many organizations are now coming into that point because the investments, especially large organizations, you had to invest in your data foundation. You had to invest in your data governance and in the in the transformation towards a data-driven org- mindset in your organization. Mm-hmm. Moving forward, we saw that organizations started to be able to leverage on those data insights. We saw still ongoing, a big hype about data scientists. I mean, if any everyone who told me I am a data scientist was, in my opinion, truly a data scientist, then I think we're all data scientists, which I doubt. <laughs> so also the perception about what is a data scientist, what can you expect from a data scientist? Um, a data scientist is someone who's, as I said in my early years, is really someone, almost PhD, statistics and mathematics. Those are people who don't want to start struggling with the data foundation. They just want to have data which they can trust, which is good, and start doing their trick, their craftsmanship. And that's one of the challenges that we have and still have what we see across. Moving forward, the actual implementation of use cases which bring then that value in the organization. When we talk about the skills of data scientists, you make a really good point about, you know, how that developed over time. How important do you think soft skills are nowadays for data scientists, apart from the hardcore technical knowledge, which is yeah. essential, but yeah. we hear this more and more now that, uh, yeah, they need to also have soft skills. Uh, what is your experience with that? Well, I, 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 I have a, to laugh a little bit about this question. And, and to be honest, I, can, I will explain you why. I remember, I think it was a long time ago that, Soft skills was, I believe, already identified as one of the key skills everyone should have. Mm-hmm. So there is no excuse not to have it as one of the ingredients in your in your competences. Because we are, it is, on the end, all people work. And you need to be able, then we go back to the narrative, everything needs to have a story. You need to be able to explain story um, a good example uh, years ago I saw those outputs and those algorithms from data scientists but the challenge they had was ex- make that explainable to the business the business was very simply stated how can I increase my customer base well you can come with a very complicated model and start explaining all the different factors and uh, algorithms behind this but that's not something that they are really interested in so you need to adjust your narrative and understand that you are the one who needs to bring that to another level to make it understandable this is where soft skill is key Mm. wonderful and uh Samir, because I, w- I would be able to talk to you for hours and hours. I know that you have to go, so maybe we can land the plane as well. Yes. What would be your final recommendations for aspiring data leaders who would want to achieve similar success that you have over the 25 years of your career? 
Well, you need to have a passion for data and passion for data means that you need to have a passion for technology. You need to have a passion for business and to understand business. Um, this is where content becomes very important. So your dr key driver is, are you eager to learn content, neither it's finance, it's risk or whatever, marketing and, and technology. I mean, you don't need to be the specialist there, but do you have, let's say, the passion to bring those different learnings together to use data as the enabler? Yeah, this is really good advice. And Samir, thank you very much for the insights. We uh, thank you very much for you, your... sir. Absolutely. And we hope to see you maybe at uh, one of the upcoming events now that everything is coming back to life. Yeah, hopefully, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully yes. we can meet in person as well. And we wish you the best and hope to see you soon again on the platform. Thank you very much, Laszlo. Thank you.